Thank you, Braden. I appreciate that. Good morning, church. It's uh, good to be with you. It's real cold and rainy outside, but it's warm and nice inside. Um, It's good to be with you uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles and you want to keep your spot in Psalm 1, we'll be there together this morning as we talk about two ways and one choice. And the choice is ours to make. Uh, This life that we get, we only get one of them, and it's short. Uh, Some of us might live much longer than another, but yet, regardless of how long our life is, it's short. As James would say, it's but a vapor. It's like the, co- the steam that comes up from your morning coffee. You know, it's there for a little while, then it just, it's gone. Our life is short, but yet in this short life, there are so many choices we make, aren't there? Millions. Sometimes life feels like a Taco Bell menu. There are just too many options. Um, there are too many things to choose from. You know, how many routes or paths can one take in life? If you've ever mapped somewhere far away, you get all the little blue lines of you could take this route or this way or this pathway. In life, it feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? That with our choices, we can have, we can take some, a variety of paths of how we walk this earth. But the truth is, and what God says this morning in Psalm 1, is that really there are only two ways in life. Uh, regardless of the decisions you make, all those decisions, they lead you to one path or the other, and you get one choice to make in life. And those, that choice you make determines what path you'll be on. And the great thing, and maybe the scary thing, is that the choice is yours and mine to make. That we get to choose how we walk, how we live, and what path we follow. And we're going to look at this idea together uh, this morning. I, I'll give credit where it's due. It's about a decade ago, I was sitting in a room listening to a sermon by a a man named Dan Winkler, a brother in Christ. Some of you might know who that is. Some of you are like, I don't know who that is at all. Uh, But he shared a sermon on this this passage, and there's a few things I've taken from him. And I'm just giving credit where it's due because I don't want to plagiarize. So don't think I'm really smart or good at anything. Uh, But give credit to him. But uh, let's reread Psalm chapter 1 together and then observe a few things as we start. Blessed is the man, you notice Braden said happy, maybe yours says that, but blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Notice from the very beginning there are two ways. There are two ways in life. There are not thousands of ways or paths that you and I can take. But there are two ways. For some reason, you ever see those photos of a path or a hiking trail in the woods that has like a fork in the road? For some reason, this is where my mind goes. In life, you walk and there are two paths you can take. And he says that at the very end in verse 6. There's the way of the righteous and there's the way of the wicked. Those are the two ways in life. That's it. That is it. You can walk the righteous way or you can walk the wicked way. He says there are two ways in life. And by ways this morning, understand we mean lifestyles. 
Um, the way that you live. That's what we mean by way or paths. The, the way you walk, the way you live. And so it might seem in life that we have a thousand different options for how we live or routes, but the truth is they all narrow down to two categories or two routes, uh, the way of the righteous or the wicked. Um, we're going to see some smaller ideas and pictures of what the righteous path looks or doesn't look like. But for big picture people, here's the big picture. Um, the righteous way is the one that walks with God. The righteous path is the one that walks with the Lord, as the psalmist says here. It's the person who follows the path that's already set before him by God. It's the one who takes God's instructions, who takes God's word and says, I'm going to let that guide me. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's the route we're talking about this morning, big picture. The righteous way is the one who follows the words of the righteous one. And then the wicked way would be, I guess in a sense, it's, it's any path that's led by someone or something else. It's someone who's not led by God, who does not follow that path, whether it's them or something else. Um, notice how each way has its own result. The first word and the last word. There is blessed, or maybe your word says happy. This word has this idea of the one who finds favor from God. Wouldn't that make you happy to find favor from God? And that's why they, they put that word there sometimes in certain versions. But there is blessed and there is perish. What an extreme different view, right? To be blessed or to perish. One sounds much nicer than the other, doesn't it? Uh, but these are your results. The righteous path, the, the man who walks the righteous way, that way with God, he is blessed, it says. But the person who walks uh, the wicked way, he says, will perish. That's not to uh, doom and gloom you this morning. I know how the weather is outside. That's not the goal this morning to make you feel similarly. But that's the truth. There are two ways with two vastly different results. I'm going to assume I know the answer of which way or which result you want in your life or in my life. But he starts it with blessed. He ends the work, he ends the psalm with perish. That's the result of these two paths. And everything in between these two words determines what path you walk and determines what your result is. It's a cool way that this was written. Notice in this psalm, there are five decisions or choices that we are to make or not to make that lead us to walk the path we're on. Three of them are negative. By negative, I don't mean pessimistic or sad. I mean they are negative in the sense of things you don't do. He says, blessed is the man who walks not or doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked who does not stand in the way of sinners, who does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Three negative commands, these things to not do, uh, if you want to be the blessed man or walk the way of the righteous. Um, but then he also has uh, two positive. And before we look at those positive, notice the progression here. Walk, stand, sit. It's like it's, you're, kinda, you're a part of it, at first, but then it kind of grows on you and it, it takes hold of you. Sin does this way. And now you're standing. You're like firmly planted standing. And now you are sitting. You're resting there. That's what sin does to somebody, doesn't it? It tangles you. I think of the, um, for all my comic book nerd friends out there, uh, Batman has a villain called Poison Ivy who can control like vines and thorns and stuff. And like sometimes she'll grab the hero with like thorns and she'll start to pull him down. There's some weird either weed killer or insurance commercial where the weeds are flowing through the house. Maybe you've seen that one. 
It's, that's what sin does. It grabs you and it tangles you and it starts pulling you. And so maybe you're walking by and next thing you know you're standing. And next thing you know it just got you down and you're sitting. That's the progression of sin. It starts small, it seems, and then it just gets to you. You know, sometimes we think we can flirt with sin and we'll be just fine. Typically, flirting with sin leads to a relationship with sin. It's funny how that works. Uh, For example, think of Lot and his family. We're going to go live by Sodom and Gomorrah. Next thing you know, we're in Sodom and Gomorrah, and we don't want to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. That's how sin works on you. So he says, walks, then stands, then sits. And those are three negative commands, but then notice the next two are positive. There are things we are to do. Our delight is in the law of the Lord, finding joy and God in what he says. And then he says also to meditate day and night on that law. Three negative, two positive. These decisions determine what route or path that we will walk. Uh, Our lives are a composite of the decisions we make. Our lives are nothing more or nothing less than the decisions we make. Uh, You know, my grandmother had a sign on the bathroom wall before it got blown away in a tornado that said, uh, Decisions determine destinies. The idea being the choices we make, they choose the path we walk in life. And that's what we see here. These decisions take us to a certain route. And in verse 3 and 4, he gives you an illustration of what each person on each path looks like. He is like a tree. That's reference to the blessed man who's doing these things. He is like a tree. And notice how the tree is described. It's planted by streams of water. It's by the life source. It yields fruit in its season. It's healthy. It's producing. Its leaf does not wither. It does not die. It is alive. It is strong. It is healthy. It is capable. It is fruitful. And all that he does, he prospers. He says, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. They don't have roots. The world takes them where they want to go. Have you ever seen pictures of a car crash where someone has maybe swerved off the road and hit a big tree? Which, which, uh, which usually has more damage to it, the tree or the car? It's the car, right? You see these cars like crumpled and full up. It's scary to see these pictures. And you sit there and go, how did that person make it out? It's just, and then you look at the tree. And sometimes you're like, the tree looks like nothing happened to it. This big tree, it's still standing, it's still alive, it's still growing. And maybe that's part of the idea is that when you walk this righteous path with God, while things will happen to you, you are still standing with him. Uh, but he says that the, ch- the wicked are like the chaff. They're not so. Have you ever driven through Kansas? Uh, going there often for school, you know, you go up to Salina, and then it's Salina, which is kind of central Kansas, and then you take a left and you go west to Colorado, and it's a straight shot, and it feels like you're on that road for maybe 4,500 hours. Um, it's the same scene over and over again. When you see movies, and they have a green screen where they're driving. I think of Kansas. You see the same picture forever. <laughs> that's, that's the closest thing I know to eternity on earth is that drive right there in Kansas. But as you're driving, whether it's windy or not, you see a lot of tumbleweeds. You know, these plants that kind of scare you a little bit at first when they hop out, but they have no roots. They're dead. And they go wherever the wind takes them. And that's, I think, the idea here of the wicked. They are tossed to and fro. By sin. That the world takes them where it wants to go and it just happens to them because they have not stood on the right path. They're planted in the wrong place and so the wind drives them away. And so verse 5 and 6 are your results. The wicked will not stand in the judgment, 
nor sinners in the congregation, in the grouping, the church of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way. He knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. Listen, this morning there are two ways. There is one choice, and the choice is ours to make. What path do we want to walk? What result do we want for our lives? What choice will we make? It's, it's simple to the psalmist. That's what he says. And if you want to walk the righteous path, if you want to walk with God to know Him, if you want to stand in the congregation of the righteous, if you want God to know you, to know your way, then there are some decisions that we need to make. And we will spend the last few minutes talking about some of those decisions. There are five listed in there. I have simplified them to four. I wish I could simplify them further, but I'm a preacher and we need more than two points. Okay? First decision. Listen to the right people. If you want to walk the way of the righteous, you need to listen to the right people. Do you see what he said there in verse 1? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. When you hear that word counsel, what do you think of immediately? Imagine you think of a counselor for a lot of people, I, I, would, I would think. At least for me, I do. Um, but we think of a counselor, somebody who listens, who hears, but also gives advice to us in our circumstances and our situations. And do we understand this morning that not everybody is qualified to give counsel? Not everyone is qualified to give advice. You might be thinking, are you qualified to give counsel? That's a great question. Uh, and if I want to know how to shoot, or if you want to know how to shoot a gun, go talk to Paul or Jake. If you want to know how to hunt, go talk to Marty. If you want to know how to bake a chocolate cake, go talk to Maybell Bailey. Don't talk to me. I'm not qualified to give good counsel. If you want to eat the chocolate cake, talk to me. Um, I can do that. But we look for people in life, most of the time we look for people who know what they're talking about who are knowledgeable in their field. We look at their education. We look at their experience. We look at the results of their their work or their life to determine if they would be good, a good person to be our counselor. And in a similar way, when it comes to our spiritual life or what leads us in life, there are qualified and unqualified people to listen to. There are right people to listen to, to take counsel from, and there are wrong people to take counsel from. Uh, We have billions of Google searches to make. We could be on Google and click the next page forever when it comes to whatever wisdom we're looking for. There are podcasts after podcasts. There are blogs, videos, every news channel for whatever fits your, you know, whatever you're looking for. But that doesn't mean they all should be what we take counsel from. We have to be wise about who we listen to. You know, bad counsel sounds like, let's go get some drinks and talk about it. It's interesting that that's a common practice in the world. Got a lot of problems going on. Hey, let's go to the bar. Let's get inebriated. And then let's think about serious life decisions. Sound backwards to you? Bad counsel sounds like, hey, here's what I would do. And it has no mention of here's what God would say to do. Uh, Bad counsel is anyone who tells you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. Now, by the way, if you tell people what they need to hear, you don't have to be rude about that, by the way, and how you say it. But bad counsel is telling people what, They want to hear not what they need to hear. Bad counsel is those who put your happiness over your holiness. That's bad counsel. Those people should not be those we turn to to listen to in life. So who should we listen to? Well, if we're not supposed to listen to the counsel of the wicked, 
I think it's clear we should listen to the counsel of the righteous. First and foremost, we listen to God and His Word. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. But also we should listen to those who are living a godly life. Doesn't that make sense? That if we want to walk with God, if we want to live and follow His path, that we should emulate or imitate people who are living that way? We can see it. I know we don't know everything about people, but we know who's living righteously and who's not most often, don't we? For the most part. And we can look and see what fruit's being produced in their life. We should listen and follow people who are living the path that is righteous. Don't listen to those who are living a wicked lifestyle. Who listens to you? This is true for all ages. I really think of our young people, our teenagers down here, like you're making a lot of friends and influences now. You're making a lot of decisions. There are so many things coming up in your life that are going, choices you're making that are going to have a great impact on the rest of your life. Be careful who you listen to. But that's still true for all of us, no matter the age. We have to listen to the right people. That's one decision to make, to walk the righteous path. Notice number two. We might put it this way. Choose good friends. Maybe you'd say keep good company. The first verse has those second, the second and third command or decision there. Who does not stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. We could combine these two to say, make good friends, or choose good friends, or keep good company. Standing and sitting, in those verses that it says, that tells us that we are choosing to be there. We firmly planted ourselves in this place, with this company. This isn't happenstance, it's not just a circumstance of life, like work. These are the people we are choosing to associate with, choosing to have a relationship with. These are the people we are participating with. We're not talking about just happenstance of being around it. But this is who we've chosen in our circle. The company we keep will influence us. That's just the truth. The people we surround ourselves with, where we go, that has an impact on us. God is saying, keep good company. You need to have wisdom to know who should and should not be in your inner circle. I, I love when moms say, you know, it takes a tribe. You ever heard that about kids? It takes a village or a tribe, or I got my tribe, or my circle. We all have that in life, like a, a, an inner circle of influence, of friends, of relationships. Choose good people to be a part of that. When I mean good people, I would say choose people who are also walking the path of the righteous, who are choosing to know God and follow Him, and who are guided by His words. Now, I'm not saying you can't be friends with anybody who isn't a faithful Christian. Like We want to influence those people for Christ. We want to love those people. We want to be a bridge builder for them. But what we need to understand is we cannot let our greatest influences in life be the wicked. Be those people who don't know God or are not trying to follow God. There's a phrase that this preacher said that I've always remembered. Show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you are. Isn't that true? At the people we surround ourselves with so often we become just like them. We think, no, I'm influencing them, not they're influencing me. That's a two-way street, friend. Keep good company. It makes a difference in your life. It makes an absolute difference, and it makes a difference on the spiritual path we walk in our life with God. So he says, number one, listen to the right people. Number two, choose good friends. If you want to live the righteous path, live with righteous people. And then we'll look at the positive ones. And we might say it this way. Find joy in God and what he says. 
Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. I don't know what you think of when you hear delight. Maybe you think of chocolate cake. Maybe you think of something really tasty, like a dessert or a treat, your favorite meal. But I would imagine that, that brings you great happiness or better term, joy, when you eat that, when you have that. He says, you must find great delight in the law of the Lord. If you do that, if you find joy in God and what he says, that will help you to walk the righteous path. In order to be blessed, you must have a relationship with God. And you must find joy from having that relationship. You must find joy from pursuing and knowing God further. And if you want to be blessed in this way, you have to find it joyful to be right with Him. In our world, you can find pleasure anywhere. We have, every, we have made every type of pleasure available to everyone at the tip of their fingers. You don't have to go to Sin City. You don't have to go to the Vegas Strip to be offered pleasure. You know, you can go to your phone, or you can go to the internet, or you can go down the street. It's everywhere. Like, whatever you think will make you happy, or whatever, whatever entices you, you can go pursue it. And one thing that we have to come to terms with is we have to find our ultimate joy in God. We have to find our most ultimate pleasure in God being right with Him, and knowing Him, and pursuing Him. And for some of us, that, that might take some work, because we've been so used to, being, uh, to finding joy or happiness or a pleasure in other things. But he says, if you want to walk the righteous path, let your delight be in God and what he says. To know him and pursue him, to be connected back to him. That has to be your ultimate source of joy. The pleasure that God offers, the joy God offers, is unlike anything else in that it's eternal. It lasts, it stands, it's not due to circumstances. It's not changing. It doesn't. It's not momentary. You know, it's said in the Bible that um, the passing pleasures of sin, they're fleeting, they're temporary, they vanish, they won't last long. At first you think it's nice, and then you realize the knife has been stabbed in your back and it's being twisted. That's what sin does. Don't pursue that as your ultimate source of pleasure. He says, pursue God and His Word. We have to choose that joy and understand and work on ourselves that what really makes us joyful, it should be God. And so instead of chasing pleasure in all the wrong places, he says, choose to find joy in God and what he says. And then the last one is make God's word a part of your life. That last decision he mentioned in Psalm 1 as we flip back and forth up here. On his law he meditates day and night. The word of God is to be a constant and a consistent in the blessed man's life. He is consistently being fed by God and his word. This blessed man longs for a deeper understanding of God. He longs for a deeper relationship with God. And he pursues God through what he's told him. He is a father who's told him what he needs to know about him. So he pursues it. And he says, meditate on it day and night. So I think that scares you and I sometimes when we hear phrases like that. You mean i got to be thinking about this 24-7? Do I got to have my Bible open all the time? Do I got to be reading, uh, reading hours upon hours every night? I think the idea of meditate here is simply this. He puts God's word into his heart and mind, and he doesn't just let it go away the moment he closes his Bible. It stays in his brain. He asks questions. He prays for understanding. He wrestles with these thoughts. He takes the message with him. He thinks about it often. 
Not necessarily I'm walking around doing this my whole life, but I read and I take it in there and I, I keep it there. And I mull it over and I think about my life and how to apply it. This blessed man hungers for the bread of life. And when you hunger for the bread of life and you feed upon it, it will satisfy you. That's what God does. That's what Jesus does. And when you make this decision to, let God, to meditate on God's law, to find delight and to make it a part of your life, it will benefit every decision you ever make in life. When you let God's word guide you, you are letting the best thing lead your life. Because you're letting God himself lead you. It will help your reputation because you'll think about, does this decision impact my reputation? It'll help your influence. Will these decisions hurt my ability to inspire someone else? Who does this decision glorify, me or God? Uh, this decision, does this impact heaven in any way? Uh, does, this, does this decision align with truth of the reality of God's will? When you meditate day and night, when you make God's word a part of your life, it will benefit your decisions which helps you to walk the righteous path. And those are five that we boiled down into four decisions, he says, you and I need to make if we're going to walk the righteous path. And so this morning I will remind you, click, 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 this. In life there are two ways. There, are, there is one choice, and we get to choose. What do you want to choose? Who do you want to choose? If you want to walk the way I believe all of us do, then go back to these decisions in verse 1 and 2, he says to make. These might seem general or generic to you. I know when we want people to follow Jesus, there are so many things we want to tell them. But I believe if we will start with these four, it'll get you on the right path. I'm confident you can walk the righteous path. And so let me ask you, does your life, are you make, in your life, are you making those kind of decisions? Who are you taking counsel from? Who are you listening to? Who are your friends, like your closest sphere of influence? Who are the people that you let move you in life? Are they righteous? Are they living a life that you're trying to live? Is God's word a constant or a consistent in your life? Is it something you're feeding upon? And where are you getting your, your joy, your delight? Are you chasing happiness and the things of this world? Are you looking for something that lasts a bit longer than that? A lot longer than that. And God in a relationship with Him and being right with Him. Think about those four choices and how you might, maybe some decisions you might need to make or change so that you can keep walking this righteous path. Uh, this morning it may be that you need to make some changes. It may be you need to pray about some changes. We would love to encourage you. Maybe you need to, to have a better influences. Maybe you're listening to the wrong people. It may be that you've searched for happiness or joy in all the wrong places and you found yourself wanting and needing. We'd love to encourage and help you. It may be that you need to respond to Jesus. You know, we haven't mentioned his name very much in the sermon, but understand you can't walk the righteous path without the righteous one. That if you're going to walk the righteous path that is blessed, it all starts with Jesus. You can't do it without him. And he wants to walk that path with you. It's his word that is guiding us. It may be you need to respond to him, to confess his name, to repent, to be baptized. We'd love to help you with that too. But as we stand and sing, think about this. I got you. In life, there are two ways. There's one choice. What choice have you made? Are you still making that choice? And what changes do we need to make to keep walking it? Think about that right now as we stand and as we sing.